0: Man, it's great to have you here at Grace Church. It's really an honor to have you joining me here this morning, um, here at Grace. And those of you watching online, we want to welcome you. And we are starting a brand new series this morning called Stop Going to Church, all right? And uh, you know that last song that we sang right before um, the video you just watched? It made me think of some scriptures in Isaiah chapter 43, and I just wanted to read them to you before we get into the message this morning. And hopefully, uh, this will be an encouragement to you. Um, Isaiah 43, 1 through 3, it says, But now, O Jacob. What I want you to do is, is put your name in that. Instead of Jacob, it would be Kyle. You know, It would be Sally. It would be Beth. You know, what, Put your name where it says, O Jacob. But now, O Justin, listen to the Lord who
1: created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says... Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go
0: through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression and difficulty, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am. The Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Woo! All right, that's some good scripture right there. I would encourage you to put that to memory, all right? Isaiah 43, the first three verses, I think those would be some great verses for you in this day that we live in. Once again, we're starting a brand new series called Stop Going to Church. You're like, hey, man, I wish you'd have told me that last night. I wouldn't have been here this morning. That's, you're going to see that's not what I'm talking about, okay? But... Um, we're going to be in Romans chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 16. If not, the verses are going to be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible of your own. You can just go to the uh, connect table in the lobby there. Ask for a Bible. We would love to give you a Bible of your own. Uh, Romans chapter 16. And I want to start just by sharing a story um, that I've been hearing way too much. Um, It's the story of those who... When asked about the things of God, they
1: would say, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Why are you good? Because I go to church. I'm good. I, I go to church.
0: But when you start to ask a few other questions about their life, they would say, gosh, my marriage is falling apart. My kids are really disrespectful. Financially, I'm like way over my head in debt. I got so much debt, I don't know what to do with uh, all the debt that I have. I don't like my job, and, and honestly, I,
1: I don't even really like my life. And after a couple more questions, like, you know, what, what church do you go to? Sometimes people re- will respond, um, yours,
0: Justin, I go to your church like, oh, that's funny, I've never seen you before in my life, you know? No, no, I go to online church, you know? I I go to church online, and I'm like, man, that's great,
1: that's awesome. Then maybe I ask a couple other questions like, are are you in a small group? Are you connected, you know, with other believers, other
0: followers of Jesus? Well, no. Are you serving in any areas in, in the church? Are you serving christ are you using the gifts that god has given you to serve well no then i'll ask you know when was the last time that you were a part of a, a church service whether it was online or even live in person it doesn't even have to be at grace church but when was the last time you know that you were a part of a church service and
1: usually the response is easter yeah 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 it was easter that's that's when i went to church
0: And then I tell them something they're probably very surprised to hear.
1: When I tell people that I'm having this conversation with, I'll, I'll tell them this. Stop going to church. Stop going to church. God's highest
0: calling to you as a follower of Jesus Christ was never to just go to church. Not to go to a building. God's highest calling in your life is not to go to a destination but to be conformed into the image of his son Jesus Christ that's his calling for your life not to go to church but to be planted in a church and to be the church that's what God intends for your life that's what he wants For you as an individual, that's what He wants for your marriage. That's what He wants for your family is for you to be planted and for you to be the church. God's highest calling for you in in your life was never to simply go to church,
1: but rather it was to be the church. Stop going to church. Be the church. Far too many Christians have
0: the mistaken belief or the mistaken idea that, that church is just something that you go to for 60 minutes on a Sunday morning. And that's if the pastor, you know, stays in his time limit, all right? <clears throat> but it's just 60,
1: 60 minutes, it's, it's 60 uh, minutes something that you do on Sunday morning. Truth is, is you, you don't, Go to church. You, you are the church. The church isn't a place. It's people. Jesus said this in
0: Matthew 5, 13. He said, you are the salt of the earth. What he meant by that is salt adds flavor. Okay? You have a meal. You put a little salt on it to make it taste even better. And we are to bring some flavor to the community around us. Matthew 5.14, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. It's hard to walk around in a room that's pitch black. You need a little light. We, you and I, are to be the light in the world. Matthew 5.14, Jesus said, you, speaking of the church, speaking of his people, you are a city set on a hill. What Jesus was saying is the community around us should actually kind of envy what we as followers of Jesus Christ have. We should be a city that they look to, that they go, gosh, that's how you do it. That's how you navigate the difficulties of our world. That's how you get along with one another, even though you look different and vote different. And sometimes, you know, you you just are completely different. That's how you do it. You're a city on a hill. You are the church. It's, It's up to us, you and me to be the mouth and the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. Remember, when Jesus ascended up into heaven, oof, I was going to try to do it. Oof, you know. Remember, he ascended, he went up into heaven.
1: He said, what was it, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8? He said, you go. And basically do what I was doing. You go into all the world, and preach the gospel, and make disciples. Hugo, I don't believe there's anybody in all of Scripture
0: that exemplifies what it means to be the church more clearly or concisely than an overlooked woman that we're going to look at this morning. Her name was Phoebe. Phoebe is mentioned just very briefly. Only two verses in the entire Scriptures are given to Phoebe. It's in Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, and these these simple two verses give us some insight into what God wants from us, what God intends for us, what God means when He says, I want you to be the church. So I want us to read these two short verses together, Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. The verses will be on the screen. But Paul, the Apostle Paul was the author, and he's writing this, and he says, He's writing to the church that was in Rome, okay? He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church in Centria. Verse two, welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many, especially to me. All who wrote the majority of the New Testament, a giant in the faith, Paul said, Phoebe has been incredibly helpful to my ministry. Now we know very little about this godly woman who carried Paul's letter to the Romans. We just have the brief mention of her name, a little bit about her service, um, just a little bit about her name, Phoebe. She was named after the moon goddess of the Greeks, the goddess Artemis, Uh, known commonly as Phoebe. That's, That's where that name originated. This goddess was supposedly identified with the light of the moon. All right?
1: But the Phoebe who Paul is talking about so highly was the light for Jesus, the light of the world. In 48 words, Paul gives great insight into this
0: saintly servant of Jesus Christ. But honestly, what what can we learn by someone who's mentioned so briefly? You know, two little verses. What can we learn from that? We can actually learn a lot, especially about what it means to be the church. Paul, in these two verses, uses three powerful words to describe Phoebe. So the the first description that he bestows on her, that he gives to her, is is the term sister. Paul began by saying, I commend to you, Our sister, Phoebe. By using the term sister, he he is communicating a lot. What he's communicating is that being a part of the church means you are a part of God's family. You are a part of a family. Paul said this in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11. He said, so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are now a part of the family of God. Honestly, like take a moment to just let that amazing truth
1: sink into your mind and sink into your heart for just a moment. You're a part of the family of God. When you place your faith in Jesus, God becomes your father, you
0: become his child, and other believers become your brothers and sisters. And the church becomes your spiritual family. The words of Jesus are unmistakable. Listen to what Jesus said. Then he pointed to his disciples, and he said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Verse 50 of Matthew chapter 12, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Once again, he's communicating this idea of the family of God. There's something really special going on here. I think those of us who have had a a great family experience, we would look to that as like family is so important. Some others of us may have had a really bad family experience. But I want you to know that when God becomes your father, he is good, he is for you, he will do what's best for you, he will protect, he will provide, will be a completely different family
1: experience from your father, not the father. The church is about family. Church is
0: about having brothers and sisters who love you who can come alongside you and see you through life's trying times. Being included in God's family is the highest honor. It's the greatest privilege you will ever receive. And I just want to encourage us this morning. I want to encourage you. Whenever you're
1: feeling unimportant or unloved or insecure, I want to remind you to whom you belong.
0: You are a child of the king of kings. You are a child of the God of the universe. You are a son. You are a daughter
1: of God. There's no greater honor. There's no greater privilege. That's what family is. If you had to just give a quick definition of family,
0: I don't know maybe what your definition would be, but mine would be a place to belong. Like when I get off work and I drive home and I walk in and I see Trisha and I see my boys. When they were younger, they used to run and jump in my arms, you know, and we'd wrestle. And now they probably kick my butt, so we don't do that as often. But, but it's like, man, this is, this is my family. This is where I reside. This is, these, are, these are my people, you know. This is where I belong. Even in the perfect paradise, when God created the world, there was no sin, there was no death in the Garden of Eden, He still said, it's not good for man to be
1: alone. We were created for connection. We were created for communion and community.
0: That's what being a part of a family is all about. That's what being a part of God's family is all about. Laughing together. Crying together. Dreaming together. In fact, check this out. The Scripture says that Christians are put together. Christians are joined together. Christians are built together. Christians are members together. They're heirs together. They're fitted together. They're
1: held together. Some might even be getting arrested together. Okay? And the Scripture also says that they will be caught up in the air together on the day of resurrection. There is a lot of togetherness when it comes to the family of God.
0: And you might be asking yourself, I know I ask myself, so like, what what do we do together? What does it involve? There's another Bible phrase that answers that question if you're like, so what do we do together? Because I want you to know as boldly and as clearly as I can, you and coming and, and listening to me talk is very important. It's part of being a part of a church, not just me, but listening to the word of God. That's, that's part of it, but it's such a small part. The life of a Christian, the life of the church is, is so much bigger than that. And the Bible phrase that answers the question, what do we do together as brothers and sisters in Christ?
1: It's the phrase, one another. Listen to this. John 13, 34 says, love one another.
0: Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love.
1: Romans 12, 10 says, honor one another. Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one another.
0: Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another. Like, you're not a project for me to try to fix. I accept you. God accepts you, I accept you. Romans 15, 14, teach one another. Galatians 5, 13, serve one another in love. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Hebrews 10, 25, encourage one another. 1 John 3, 23, there's a few other verses in 1 John, says to love one another. In 2 in Peter chapter 4, and verse 9 says, Offer hospitality to one another. I think there's a few things that we could practice, that we could try to work on, and there's there's a few things for us to do there
1: when it comes to one another. One another. Listen, it doesn't matter the brokenness of your past. It doesn't
0: matter even the present brokenness that you may have in your life. You are welcome into the family of God. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, you are welcome into the family of God. And listen, it takes God's power, and it does involve our effort, our choice to actively pursue the right things to produce a loving Christian community. To be that city on a hill, it takes some intentionality. It doesn't just happen by accident. Being the church means being a family and living out these one another verses on a daily basis. This morning, to kind of help us, I really want us to, to, to wrap our hearts around this and to wrap our minds around this, to help us better, better understand what I'm talking about. I want you to watch a, a video this morning. It's a story of Rosaria Butterfield. And it's about six minutes long.
1: And uh, I think this will be an encouragement to you. Check out this video.
2: We live at this time where so many Christian ideas are understood as hate speech. After the Obergefell decision legalized gay marriage... That put the gospel on a collision course with the new law of the land. And I think many Christians have been struggling with, well, how do I speak? What do I do? How do I move forward? Home is a vital place to invite your neighbors in, to have some heartfelt conversations. We can love our children together. We can let some things slide even though the world we live in would say that we're supposed to be enemies. To me, hospitality is the ground zero of the Christian faith. I was raised in an Italian family. There were some issues in my house that made it almost impossible to have people in. So hospitality didn't really become endemic to my life until I had set up a home of my own. I was a professor at Syracuse. I lived as an out lesbian feminist in New York. In our LGBTQ community, somebody's home was open every night of the week. And there was never a question, where will I go if I need help? Because the community itself is organic and fluid, and that was how we dealt with crises. I wrote my tenure book, I really wanted to write a book that was on my heart. Why is the religious right such a hateful community, and why do they hate people like me? I was on a war against two things, patriarchy and stupid, so I was really curious to know why relatively decent people would use the Bible in such a hateful way. So I wrote an editorial, and it brought all kinds of attention my way, which I didn't really expect, but one of the things that brought my way was a letter from Ken Smith, the pastor of the Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian Church. When Ken and his wife, Floyd, invited me to dinner, I I was happy. I I thought of Ken as my unpaid research assistant, and they were fine with the fact that I, I wanted to read the Bible to critique it. That began a research journey that changed my life, but it wasn't research that changed my life. In Ken and Floyd's home, the way that they practiced hospitality became a living, breathing example of the theology that they were teaching. After my first dinner at Ken and Floyd's house, Ken gave me a big hug. Floyd gave me a big hug and a kiss on the cheek. We said, we'll catch up next week. This was fun. Can't wait to do it again. They did not share the gospel with me, and they did not invite me to church. And that was so wonderful because what it showed to me was that they didn't see me as a project. They actually saw me as a neighbor. Now, I didn't step foot in the church for two years, but every week I was in their home. And every week, it was clear that pretty much anything could go. We could ask anything. Ken and Floyd were fine. And that process of dialogue and table fellowship was compelling. It was deeply compelling. I did not come to faith because I stopped feeling like a lesbian. It's not that I got all of my worldview issues just completely cemented with a happy Christian evangelism. Not at all. I came to faith because I became convicted that Jesus is who he says he is. Ephesians 4.29 is our watchword, that we are to impart grace to the hearer. I might not agree with everything that you hold to be near and dear, but because we are neighbors, I don't have to say everything that's on my heart, and you don't have to say everything that's on your heart right now. We can put some of our worldview issues aside, and over years of this, the gospel takes on a momentum that is compelling to people. I think we need to give each other the reminder that it's God who saves. It's not about certainly us being perfect or our words being perfect. But show up, we must, in the lives of unbelievers. What comes naturally to me and what comes naturally to you is to hang out with people who are like us, (laughs) people who can maybe finish our sentences, people who don't scare us. But hospitality, biblically speaking, takes strangers and makes them neighbors. It takes neighbors and makes them family of God. It's a great joy to see the gospel bring people together who are supposed to be enemies. And it's a great joy to know that God never gets the address wrong. And if your neighbors aren't people you know yet, there's a blessing waiting for you.
1: that 's a uh, beautiful picture of offer hospitality to one another second Peter four nine Paul goes on to describe Phoebe in another way, so he referred to Phoebe as a sister,
0: and then Paul describes Phoebe as a saint. Paul told the the Roman Christians to receive her in the Lord. In a manner worthy of the saints. In other words, what Paul was trying to tell the the church in Rome was roll out the red carpet for her. Bring on the confetti, all right? Honor her. Celebrate the fact that she is a saint of God. Throw your arms wide open and, 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 and wrap them around her when she gets there. Greet her. Welcome her. Why? Because a saint is coming to town. Despite popular
1: opinion, every one of us who have made the decision to follow Jesus Christ are saints. When we make the decision to give our lives to Jesus Christ,
0: at that moment, God begins the sanctification process. He begins the process of making us more and more like His Son, Jesus Christ. He makes us holy. A saint is a person who has been sanctified by God. So if you're in God's family, you are a saint. And of course, that doesn't mean that you're always going to act like a saint, all right? Sainthood, or being sanctified, is an ongoing, lifelong process. Put very simply, sanctification is the process of becoming like Christ, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, in the last part of verse 18, he said, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. It's not going to just boom, happen like that. It's it's a lifelong process of being sanctified, of being made like Jesus Christ. So being the church and being a saint means becoming like Jesus Christ. God's ultimate goal for you is uh, and your life on this earth is not comfort. But his goal, his His desire for you is character development. You were created to become like Jesus Christ. But the thing is, you cannot reproduce the character of Jesus. You cannot become like Jesus in your own strength, in your own power. New Year's resolutions will not do it. Willpower, I'm just going to, I'm going to do better. I'm going to be like Christ that won't do it. Our best intentions are not enough. Only the Holy Spirit has the power to make the changes that God wants to make in your life. It has to be the power of God. But let, me, let me throw this out as an idea for you. What if for one day, okay, 24 hours, what if for
1: one day Jesus became you? He woke up in your bed. He walked in your shoes. He lived in your house. He assumed your schedule. Your boss became
0: his boss. Your kids became his kids. And your headaches became his headaches. Your health doesn't change. Your circumstances circumstances don't change. Your schedule isn't altered at all. Your problems are not solved. Only one thing
1: changes. What if for one day, one night, Jesus lived your life with his heart? So your heart, it gets to take a day off, right? Your life is led by the heart of Christ. What would you be like? for that 24 hours like would people would people notice a difference in that 24 hour
0: window your your family would would they would they notice like wow something is different something something's happening here how about you what alterations would this heart transplant
1: have on your stress levels your mood swings maybe your temper Would you sleep better? Would you view people differently? Would you even look at sunsets differently? Would you handle the chaos that's going on in our world just a little bit differently? You see, the the Apostle Paul says, in your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. In another verse, he said, you you need to have the mind of Christ. What does
0: that look like? What does that mean? Long before Jesus walked the streets of Galilee, God promised this. This is an incredible promise. In Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26, the prophet Ezekiel said, "Um, I will give you a new heart, God said, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and I will give you... There will be a transplant, heart transplant. I will give you a tender, responsive heart,
1: and I will put my spirit in you. It's incredible. You see, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants
0: you to be like Jesus. He wants you to have a heart like his. That's that's what it means to be the church. And then Paul had one last adjective for Phoebe. He called her a sister. He referred to her as a saint. And then the last term that he
1: gave to Phoebe was, he calls her a deacon. Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church.
0: The, the word deacon means minister or servant. That's what it means. She, wants, uh, or she was given that title because she was a minister, she was a servant of the Lord. She served her local church in a variety of different ways. In the very next verse, Paul says, Help her in every way that you can, for she has helped many in their needs, including me. So being the church means serving. It means helping. It means giving of your time and your energy and your resources. It means ministering. Rosaria Butterfield is a wonderful example of of what it means to be the church. When she told her story about hospitality, I think that's a beautiful picture of being the church. But she's not the only one. All right? We as a church, we're going to take a very bold step here in the very near future to be just that. We're going to be the church. Starting on Sunday, August 2nd at 6 p.m., we are going to be the church by starting a brand new church experience. And wouldn't it be just like God in a pandemic when we're supposed to have limited capacity And our church, you know, it's like I'm pastoring a ghost church sometimes. I don't know who's watching online, and we have very limited seating here. Wouldn't it be just like God to say, hey, church, I want you to start something new? I think that would be just like God. So on August 2nd at 6 p.m., we're going to be the church by starting a brand new church experience to reach unchurched people. To reach those that God loves.
1: We are going to have church at the wild horse. Let me say that one more time. We're going to have church at the Wild Horse. You mean the, 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 the bar downtown? Yep.
0: The vision of Grace Church is this. We are imperfect people, leveraging everything for those far from Jesus. What better way to show the love of Jesus than to go where people are? Amber Morse has been incredibly generous to us to open up the venue on Sunday nights, and so, church at the Wild Horse is going to be an additional service to our 9 a.m. and our 10:30 a.m. service. So it's not a replacement. Okay, I want you to know that it's not a replacement service. It's an addition to what we're already doing. There will be no G Kids programming, just so you know, at the Wild Horse. But we will need some help with a variety of service opportunities. We will need some help setting up tables and chairs. Um, we will need some help uh, from you, the church, to serve. So if you'd like to help in this effort, uh, feel free to talk to any of the pastors on staff, okay? Feel free to talk to any of the pastors. We'd love to answer your questions and and provide opportunities. But we are going to start that on August 2nd at 6 p.m. But listen, you you don't have to engage in in a major community project in order to be a servant. You don't have to leave this building, okay? There's a lot of service opportunities right here. What I'm trying to communicate this morning is stop going to church and be the church. Like Get your hands dirty. Get involved. Serve in areas where there's need. Say yes to something that you're a little bit afraid of. Take a risk. Do something that's outside of your comfort zone. Be the church. And let's watch and see what the Holy Spirit of God does. Church is a verb, which means it does things. It's not stagnant. Church is a movement. It's moving. Let's be the church. But Justin, I I just don't have time, man. so busy. My life is already kind of chaotic. I I just want to encourage you. Choose to do what God wants you to do and then trust his spirit to give you the power and the love and the courage and the time and the wisdom that you need to do it. Isn't it just like God? There's so many examples. When we take that step of faith, that's when the magic happens, right? But before we take that step, there's all kinds of fear and doubts, and uh, it's impossible. But when we take that step of faith, that's when God moves, and that's when God does incredible things. Robert J. Morgan once told the story of a preacher who was approached by a man who wanted to be connected to the church. But the man said, I have a very busy schedule. I can't be called on, okay? You can't call me for any service. I can't lead anything. I'm not able to teach. I really don't want to do anything like that. I, What I really want to do is I I want to sit through Sunday worship, and then I want to go on about my business. That's really all I'm looking for from the church. And The minister thought for a moment, and then he replied. He said, I believe you're at the wrong church. The church that you're looking for is actually three blocks down the street on the right. And so the man followed the preacher's instructions and and followed his directions, and so he went three blocks down on the right, and he came to this abandoned, boarded
1: up, closed down church building. It was a dead church, gone out of business, no longer doing anything. And that's what happens
0: to churches that don't have servants. That's what happens to churches that don't have deacons. Churches that have spectators, not participants. Churches that have observers, but not partners. You see, being the church means being a servant.
1: Serving. Phoebe was a servant of the church. She had a servant's heart. And we would all do well to live by
0: her example. Church is not something that opens and closes with a prayer. It's like, okay, church is starting now because Pastor Justin prayed, you know? That's, that's not church. Church isn't just something you attend. It's something you are. Church is not a place. It's people. So what does it mean to be the church? If Phoebe gives us anything to go by, it means being a sister or a brother. We are the family of God, a vital part of God's household. It means we are created to become more and more like Christ. It means we are saints. We are being sanctified. We are becoming and being made to be like Jesus. And then it means being a deacon. It means being a servant. Serving, getting our hands a little dirty jumping in and being willing to serve and to help. So whatever you do, wherever you go, whether it's Sunday, Saturday, or any day in between,
1: remember to be the church. Be the church. This morning, I want to give you a chance to respond, okay,
0: to what you've heard. Do you want to be a part of our church family? Or if you're not sure whether or not you're a part of it yet, you're like, man, I thought... You know, I was coming and I thought that was being a part of the church. Um, I want you to know that this time is for you. This time is for you to really seek the Lord and say, gosh, is this where I want to be planted? Is this where I really want to use my gifts that God has given me? If you need some help developing a Christ-like heart, you watch the the, the video of Rosaria and it's like, gosh, I, I need that. I actually need to be taught how to, how to have a Christ-like heart this time is for you as well. If you want to be a servant rather than a spectator, if you want to volunteer to help out in any capacity, whether it's giving communion, setting up tables and chairs at the Wild Horse, if it's turning knobs on the soundboard, if it's, you know, maybe, you're, maybe you want to learn how to prepare a sermon. Maybe you, you need to just learn how to study the Bible. You're like, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. I just need to learn how to study God's Word. Maybe you want to serve in G-Kids or You want to fix things around the church or clean floors or lay tile or paint walls or whatever it is. I want to invite you to take a step of faith. If you're watching online, I want you to click the connect tab and connect with us and just let us know. I want to be a servant. I don't want to be a spectator. And we will help to point you in the right direction. And if you're live here at church this morning, grab a connect card, fill it out. You can give it to me. You can put it in the offering box. And you can say the same thing. I, I, I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participant. I want to serve. I want to I help move the mission and the vision of God forward. And we will do our best, once again, to point you in the right direction, to give you encouragement that's needed, we'll do our best to show you
1: hospitality,
0: and we'll do our best to direct you and to point you to Jesus
1: and to his word. I'm going to close in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the story of Rosaria. Just the
0: incredible transformation. And I love how she put it in the video that she was welcomed in and she could ask any question and she didn't feel judged. She didn't feel like
1: a project, she felt like a neighbor. I pray that we would have that same mindset. Lord, I pray
0: against us going out and trying to fix people because we don't have that kind of power. We're not able to do that. Instead, I pray that you would help us to go out from this place and
1: love people, serve people,
0: and and just model, show what it looks like to live like Jesus. I pray that process of sanctification would continue in my heart, in my mind, in my life, and those of us here. Lord, I pray that you'd continue to make us more and more like your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray for uh, the step of faith that we're taking to have church at the Wild Horse. Lord, I I pray for those that are going to come who have never taken that step of faith or those who are going to come that are very skeptical of church and they're afraid to even walk into a church building. And Lord, I just pray that through the power of your spirit, you would do great
1: and mighty things through that effort. And I pray that people would be loved well. They wouldn't walk in
0: and feel judged. They would walk in and immediately feel the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would do great and mighty things through that, Father. Help us to be participants. Help us to be partners,
1: not spectators. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.